And that is the Gregorian chant version of the Subtum Presidium sung by our seminarians in Milas Christi, a prayer that is the most ancient one uh, in honor of Our Lady, and of which we will talk later in this episode. So welcome to our podcast for College Catholics, where we discuss faith and spirituality from a Catholic perspective. I'm Father Patrick Wainwright, and I think Christmas is one of the greatest times of the year. It reminds us that Christ was born some 2,000 years ago to redeem mankind from sin and eternal death. And it reminds us that God, who loves us infinitely, was willing to take human flesh and suffer terribly to pay for our sins, even when he had committed none. Christmas also reminds us that God is near us. That Jesus Christ, that is God made man, came to be close to us, and is close to us again this Christmas, and that he will also come again one day in glory to completely eradicate sin and evil from this world. He suffered during Christmas in his tiny body, even from the moment of his birth. He suffered cold, abandonment, rejection, and persecution. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were rejected from the inn in Bethlehem, as we read in the Gospel of St. Luke. Our Lord, in the who is the creator of the universe, had to be born in a land distant from where his parents lived, in a cave with animals, in a clear situation of poverty, almost homelessness, we could say. Right after he was born, the local king wanted to murder him, and therefore the Holy Family had to flee to Egypt and live in a foreign land for a certain period of time. So these are some of the sufferings that accompanied the mystery of Christmas. And in that sense, uh, my heart and my prayers, and I encourage you to pray as well, but my heart and my prayers go out to so many people that are suffering today in the war-torn regions of eastern Ukraine and the Israel-Gaza region, or because of the persecution against Catholics in Nicaragua and in many other places of the world where there is suffering. We must remind ourselves that the wonderful mysteries of the incarnation, birth, and infancy of Jesus Christ are joyful, but they are not lacking in suffering and difficulties. Our Lord wanted to take on all that suffering, even at a such a tender age, to remind us that God suffered too. That he knows what you're going through when you're in pain, or when you're alone, or when you're rejected. And this is part of the joy of Christmas, that Jesus Christ suffered for you as well, that you're not alone in your suffering because he is very near you, that Jesus sanctified the reality of suffering, the reality of the cross, in such a way that suffering, your suffering, can now have a redemptive value. But uh, coming back to the mystery of Christmas and of the Incarnation, all this is possible because Jesus Christ who is true God, becomes also true man. He is true God and true man. As St. John says in the beginning of his Gospel, chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, he adds, 
and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. And we saw his glory, the glory as of the Father's only Son. So the time of Christmas is a time of great joy because it reminds us that God is with us to save us. He came 2,000 plus years ago to redeem mankind. But he also comes this Christmas season with his grace to help us overcome sin in our lives here and now. He wants to be born in your heart. He wants to be near you. He wants to be the visible image of God's mercy and God's love. And right within the eight days after Christmas, which is uh, typically called the octave of Christmas, in which every day is celebrated as if it were Christmas itself, we have the end of the year and the beginning of a new year. So by God's providence, the celebration of the birth of our Lord comes linked to an annual celebration that reminds us of the passing of time. With a bit of sadness and with its spirit of hope and joy. I say a little bit of uh, sadness or a spirit of sadness because another year is passing by and we're reminded of the fact that we are sojourners in this world. And every year, a little bit closer to our grave. In other words, uh, life is passing by. Or as the Latin saying goes, memento mori, remember your death. And on the other hand, there is hope and joy because the new year gives us the promise of a new opportunity, a new beginning with new graces and challenges as well, and therefore new hope for the future. Because of all this mystery of the passing of time and the uncertainty of the new year that is coming, with its hope and its fears, the Church has for many centuries now looked at the Virgin Mary for hope and protection in this moment in time in this mystery of the passing from one year to another. This is why the Church celebrates the Solemnity of Mary, the Mother of God, on the first day of the year, January 1st. And it is a common practice in the Church to intone a particular hymn on this occasion that is called Subtum Presidium, or in English, We Fly to Your Protection. This is the one you heard at the beginning as we started this episode. It's a very unique prayer or antiphon in honor of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Actually, one reason why I think it is such an important prayer is because it is one of the oldest prayers to the Virgin Mary, or at least we could say the oldest prayer to the Virgin Mary, of which we have a record, a written record. The prayer in English in its current form reads like this. We fly to your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. So this prayer used to be sung in the liturgy in different places, uh, but particularly in Egypt, even as early as the third century after Christ. And I say it's the oldest prayer in honor of the Blessed Virgin Mary, of which we have a record, because in 1917, they discovered a fragment of a papyrus from Egypt, which is considered to be from the 3rd century, or more precisely from around the year 250 to 280 AD. 250 or 280 AD. Now this is not just an interesting historical fact. Um, it is, I think it is a really important for the Catholic teachings regarding the Virgin Mary, 
particularly because the Virgin Mary there in that prayer is called Mother of God. So what is important is that because of the Nestorian heresy, Nestoria, Nestorian heresy comes from Nestorius, who uh, was bishop, uh, but some other bishops and theologians were teaching that the Virgin Mary could not properly be called Mother of God, but only Mother of Christ. Or, uh, if you want, so, as some people would incorrectly say today, we can only call her Mother of Jesus. So Nestorius was the patriarch or bishop of Constantinople at the beginning of the 5th century. And he taught that in Jesus Christ, there were two complete and perfect natures, which is correct, the divine and the human natures. But he said that there were two persons as well, the divine person of the word and the human person, that of Jesus Christ, which is incorrect. In Christ, there's only one person that is the person of the word. And as a conclusion, Mary was the mother of Christ or the mother of Jesus, but not the mother of God, according to Nestorius. So the Council of Ephesus in the year 431, 431 AD, that is the the fifth century, defined infallibly that the Virgin Mary was indeed the mother of God and could be called mother of God, in Greek, Theotokos. Because in Jesus Christ, there was only one person, which is the divine person of the word, which unites in itself the two natures, the divine and the human. And therefore, the Virgin Mary was carrying in the womb the person of the word and gave birth to Jesus Christ, who is the person of the word of God, made flesh. However, the title of Theotokos, or Mother of God, was used much earlier than the year 431, 431 AD, when was the Council of Ephesus. Actually, a century earlier, it had been used in the area of Alexandria by St. Athanasius, and in Palestine by St. Cyril of Jerusalem. In the area of Cappadocia, it was used by St. Gregory of Nazianzen. All these are church fathers and saints. And even earlier, the expression Mother of God appears to have been used in the 3rd century by Origen, another church father, typically quoted when you study the church fathers, and by his disciple, Bishop Dionysius of Alexandria, who wrote an epistle to Paul of Samosata around the year 250 AD using this term, Mother of God, applied to the Virgin Mary. But what is amazing, I think, about this papyrus is that it contains almost the entire prayer at least a version of the prayer, we fly to your protection, and it's an original text dated back to the 3rd century, somewhere around the years 250 to 180 AD, which implies that the prayer was well known back then and used and prayed by many people. Moreover, it seems to have been already part of the Coptic liturgy at the time in northern Egypt. So the prayer uh, is important also because it contains several key concepts that are important in our Marian theology. They are important as far as the Catholic teachings regarding Mary, especially in a a time where so many other Christian denominations today claim that the devotion to Mary is uh, wrong or it is something invented by Catholics and is not present in the Bible and therefore it shouldn't be used, let's say. So the three Marian concepts that that we can find in this prayer are the following. First of all, the fact that she is called Theotokos, or Mother of God, at such an early time in the church. And that shows that this title is not something new, but probably came from the time of the apostles. 
It was confirmed dogmatically by the Council of Ephesus, the Ecumenical Council of Ephesus in 431 AD. But it was already used around the year 250, as we said before. A second aspect is the fact that there is a prayer addressed to the Virgin Mary asking for her intercession in the time of need. So that is, there was a clear belief that the Virgin Mary could hear the prayers of the faithful and that she had the power to deliver the Christian faithful from, from all necessities, as the, as the prayer says. In fact, some, of the, uh, some theologians indicate that that reference in the prayer to a particular moment or junction in which they had need of help would refer to the persecutions under the Roman emperors Decius or Valerian, uh, both emperors during the 3rd century. And finally, the fact we see also the fact that she is hailed as being always a virgin. And that makes reference to the dogma of the perpetual virginity of Mary, not only before the birth of Christ, but as it was uh, defined later, she was a virgin before, during, and ever after the birth of Jesus Christ. So those are the three most important things. Now, there are also biblical references in the prayer. For example, she's called blessed, which is a reference taken from the words of St. Elizabeth at the visitation, Luke chapter 1, when Elizabeth says, Most blessed are you among women. And it is also Elizabeth who calls the Virgin Mary Mother of my Lord, when she says, also in the Gospel of St. Luke chapter 1, How does this happen to me, that the Mother of my Lord should, should come to me? And there in that uh, sentence, the word Lord is a synonym of, of Yahweh, who is God. So, mother of my Lord is equal to saying, mother of my God, right? So, those references are present, are biblical references present in the prayer as well. So now, uh, this prayer can be addressed to the Virgin Mary at any time. However, uh, in the Roman liturgy, in our liturgy, in the Latin church, uh, it is used as a Marian antiphon after compline or after uh, night prayer, and it is the last liturgical pr prayer of the day, just as it is the last prayer of the year when we come to the New Year's Eve and the first thought of the year when we come to the New Year's Day. So this is a great reminder that we must always entrust ourselves to the Virgin Mary with a filial devotion and never be afraid to be too devoted to Mary, right? Whoever is devoted to Mary, says St. Alphonsus de Gori, cannot be condemned. And if some Protestant friend tells you that you should not be calling Mary the mother of God, just share with him this amazing prayer in which already in the third, uh, third century and all throughout history, the Christians have called Mary mother of God. So as we come to the close of this year, 2023, and start a new year, 2024, make sure you say this prayer with faith, with complete trust in the Virgin Mary, especially in the moments of difficulty, and with a loving and filial devotion. I will read in our text of St. Bernard of Clairvaux on the devotion to Mary, which we should always keep in mind and have it as the spirit that we should have when reciting the Hail Mary, or even the Subtuum Presidium. St. Bernard of Clairvaux, uh, in one of his homilies, uh, compares the Virgin Mary to the star of the sea, and he says the following. All you who see yourselves amid the tides of the world, 
tossed by storms and tempests. Do not turn your eyes away from this shining star. If temptation storms, or you fall upon the rocks of tribulation, look to the star. Call upon Mary. If you are tossed by the waves of pride or ambition, detraction or envy, look to the star. Call upon Mary. If anger or avarice or the desires of the flesh dash against the ship of your soul, turn your eyes to Mary. If troubled by the enormity of your crimes, ashamed of your guilty conscience, terrified by dread of the judgment, and you feel you begin to sink into the gulf of sadness or the abyss of despair, think of Mary. In dangers, in anguish, in doubt, think of Mary. Call upon Mary. Let her name be ever on your lips, ever in your heart. And the better to obtain the help of her prayers, imitate the example of her life. Following her, you will not stray. Invoking her, you will not despair. Thinking of her, you will not wander. Upheld by her, you will not fall. Shielded by her, you will not fear. Guided by her, you will not grow weary. Favored by her, you will reach the goal. So these are wonderful words to have in mind in this new year, and I would say every day of our life. So as we finish this episode in this year 2023, I will use the Gregorian chant recording that our seminarians did of the Antiphon Subtum Presidium, which in English is, We Fly to Your Protection. May God bless you abundantly, and we will see you next year. I truly wish you have a blessed and joyful new year. So long.